Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. As you know, we've been pressuring on all our media platforms here. For the so-called press to uncover what Joe Biden knew and when he knew it. In the case of Joe Biden, again, I want to repeat, we're not talking about an affair, a one-night stand, or anything of that sort. That would be bad enough, don't get me wrong. They call it sexual assault. They actually call it rape. What Joe Biden is accused of is rape. That is a big deal. When this woman comes forward with her name, she now has five individuals who corroborate in one form or another her statements, at least contemporaneous statements. She is demanding that the University of Delaware release Senator Joe Biden's papers as he has donated them to the University of Delaware. I don't know why. Maybe they have a lot of need for Kindle And they like to have fireplaces. I don't know. But they won't make it available. And many of the people, of course, who are appointed to that board are Joe Biden sycophants. Joe Biden owns that state. But as you can see, it's important to keep this up, to keep the pressure up. And Joe Biden is going to be interviewed on the Morning Schmo Show. That'll be a a joke. The morning schmo has made it abundantly clear that he supports Biden and opposes Trump. Plus, he's a sleazeball, so why should he be questioning Biden? Uh, We'll see how that goes, but I already know how I think that'll go. Now, I'll be on Hannity tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. I'll be on Hannity tonight. By the way... As more documents come out on the Michael Flynn case, it is just shocking. I want to remind you of this. The FBI, let me not say, the Obama administration. I don't know how Barack Obama gets away with this, but he does because of the sycophantic press. The Obama FBI was spying on the Trump campaign. The Obama FBI was spying on Carter Page. The Obama FBI was spying on Michael Flynn. The Obama FBI was leaking to the press. The Obama FBI was conspiring to trigger the 25th Amendment to remove the President of the United States. Obama's FBI director, Comey, used a discredited document paid for by Hillary Clinton's campaign in the DNC to threaten the President-elect when Comey met with him. Obama's FBI director wrote self-serving memos, which he then removed to his home and leaked to the press. 
Obama's FBI director and the Democrats succeeded in pressuring for the appointment of a special counsel to criminally investigate the president. President Trump was the victim of the coup effort. Mueller appoints openly partisan Democrat prosecutors to his staff. And regardless how the media and the Democrats report it, the president was totally exonerated and he never asserted any privileges over any witnesses or any documents. Then we come to Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn. These concealed documents which have finally been released this week show, quote, no derogatory information. That's according to original FBI notes. No derogatory information on General Flynn. So they were going to close their case, documents indicate, that were released today. But Peter Stroke insisted that they keep it open, so they did. Comey also told Congress the agents didn't believe Flynn had lied. Now, to cut to the chase, Flynn spoke on the phone to the Russian ambassador Kislyak. Because Flynn was the incoming national security advisor to the incoming president-elect. Nothing wrong, let alone criminal, took place in those phone calls. Nothing. Sally Yates, the Obama deputy attorney general, who was the acting attorney general during the transition. She said the Logan Act was relevant. There may have been a Logan Act violation. A Logan Act, which is over 200 years old, has been used twice to unsuccessfully prosecute people. Nobody uses that act, so she used it as a pretext. The FBI knew of the calls already, and they knew there was nothing wrong with the calls because they had an intercept on the Russian ambassador's communications, which we now know is typical. So they knew Flynn hadn't done anything wrong, let alone violate the Logan Act. So documents released today, and I quote, the writer notes that since Crossfire Razor was not specifically named, Crossfire Razor was the nickname they gave to Flynn, as an agent of a foreign power by the original Crossfire Hurricane predicated reporting, the absence of any derogatory information or lead information from these logical sources reduced the number of investigative avenues and techniques to pursue, the FBI concluded. Per the direction of FBI management, Crossfire Razor, Flynn, was not interviewed as part of the case-closing procedure. Well, Michael, uh, well, Peter Stroke wouldn't put up with that. Peter Stroke insisted that they keep the investigation open. And they did. And two agents interviewed... Flynn. Comey was all good with this. In an interview, Comey said, something we I probably wouldn't have done or gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration, the Bush and Obama administrations. The FBI wanted to send agents into the White House itself to interview a senior official. We know that to be Flynn. You would work through the White House counsel and there were discussions and approvals and it would be there and I thought it's early enough. Let's just send in a couple of guys over there. In that interview, the allegation was that Flynn didn't honestly recall the content of his calls with the ambassador to Russia, even though there was nothing wrong with the content of his calls. And he was pressed to plead guilty 
because they threatened to charge his son with some bogus violation, and they were financially destroying him. And in documents released yesterday, we know the FBI pre-planned a deliberate attack on Flynn, and they specifically, willfully chose to ignore mentioning 18 United States Code 1001, giving him a heads up. Hey, look, we're going to compare what we know you've said in the past to what you tell us now. And if we find any, any false statement, and by the way, it could be a mistake. It could be just the person doesn't remember. We will charge you with a felony. They never told him that. They never told him he should have a lawyer. And what was their goal? Well, I quote from their documents. What is our goal? Truth and admission or to get him to lie so we can, uh, let's see, uh, prosecute him or get him fired. So as Joel Pollack points out at Breitbart, and he's quite right, this was never about Russia collusion then, was it? It was about taking out Flynn. It was about taking out Flynn, creating controversy. I am telling you, ladies and gentlemen, when you look at this, with the FBI spying on the Trump campaign, the FBI spying on Carter Page, lying to the FISA court repeatedly, the FBI spying on Michael Flynn and then releasing his name to David Ignatius at the Washington Post, a felony, leaking information. Is there an FBI senior official who didn't? Comey, McCabe, Stroke, Page, Baker. And conspiring to figure out how to trigger the 25th Amendment to remove the President of the United States. And then using the Hillary Clinton paid for, DNC paid for, fiction. To threaten, really blackmail the President, I would argue, that's what Comey was doing. And all this information has come out now, no thanks to the New York Times, no thanks to the Washington Post, no thanks to CNBC, NBC, MSNBC... No thanks to CBS or ABC. No thanks to CNN. Did I mention them? The New York Times, the Washington Post. No thanks to any of them. This is the greatest scandal in American history. The Obama administration. And where's Obama? Has he been questioned about any of this? Biden, has he been questioned about any of this? Is it possible that all this took place... And the White House didn't know about it. Well, they had a meeting in the White House in January. Obama was there. Biden was there. Comey was there. Yates was there. Others were there. Where many of these matters were discussed. How is it that the Democrats can get transcripts of the president's discussion? Or, well, he released them. But how is it that that becomes an impeachable offense with respect to the president of Ukraine, which was all perfectly fine and innocent? But there's no questioning whatsoever of Obama, Biden, Yates, and others about that meeting in the White House. We still don't know what Obama knew. As part of the Mueller investigation, he didn't touch it. As part of the congressional investigation, they didn't touch it. Even the Senate Republicans that control the Senate Intelligence Committee, they didn't touch it. The perpetrators are treated like the victims, and the victims are treated like the perpetrators. 
I have no inside information, trust me when I tell you this, but if anybody ever deserved a pardon, in every respect, it is Michael Flynn. If anybody ever deserved to be in prison in every respect, it's James Comey and the hoodlums who worked for him and under him. I'll be right back. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I want to congratulate the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC. I want to congratulate CBS, ABC, and NBC. And that whole sphere of the media, 98% of the so-called mainstream media, there's nothing mainstream about it. You didn't break a single one of those facts that I just listed. Not one. And you still could care less about the fate of an innocent man. You still could care less about an abuse of power by the Obama administration like we've never seen in American history. The criminalization of politics. Just because Donald Trump decided to run for president of the United States. What in the hell is the Obama Justice Department and the Obama FBI doing? Putting spies, a.k.a. informants, in an opposing party's presidential campaign. This makes Watergate look like a tea party, a garden party. What in the hell were they doing? What in the hell were they doing spying on Michael Flynn and then unmasking Michael Flynn's calls with the ambassador to Russia, to this David Ignatius at the Washington Post? That's a felony. The inspector general found also that when the FBI sought warrants, to investigate Carter Page, which was always a backdoor way of trying to get a hold of Trump. Because remember, everyone he spoke to, that opens the door to uh, all kinds of texts and emails and other people. The inspector general found that the FBI withheld exculpatory evidence. And then the deputy FBI director conspiring with the deputy attorney general of the United States to try and figure out how to convince enough cabinet members to rid the nation of a duly elected constitutional president with no evidence at any time, despite 
the intercepts, despite the spies, despite the warrants, despite it all. No evidence at any time of collusion with Russia, ever. And yet over half of the people in the United States, turning to a recent poll, still believe all the lies because of the media. James Comey makes J. Edgar Hoover look like a choir boy. It is James Comey's name who should be used henceforth as an example of abuse of power and corruption at the highest levels. Not J. Edgar Hoover, but James Comey. And not one of these bastards had seen the inside of a prison cell yet. Not one of them. General Flynn lost everything. He lost his house. Reportedly, he has spent over $4.5 million to defend himself. And then they threaten his son. They threaten his son with nothing. So he gives in. Like any good father would, quite frankly. Where are the civil libertarians? They're cheering. The Democrats are thrilled with this. They hate our guts, folks. They hate our guts. They hate our country. They hate our system. They are power hungry. They are, as a collective, they are narcissistic and egomaniacal. It's incredible. Now, where's McCabe today? He works for CNN. CNN. Who do they hold in contempt? One of the greatest attorneys general ever, Bill Barr. Bill Barr. Who do they impeach? The victim. The president of the United States, Donald Trump, who dared to run for office and win. He's the one who was spied on. He and his campaign, he and his staff, he and his presidency, they're the victims. And he's impeached? They don't like his tweets, you know, ladies and gentlemen. If it wasn't for pressure from many of us, including and particularly this program, respecting Joe Biden, do you think Joe Biden's name would even be attached to Tara Reid? No, not in the least. Not in the least. They've thrown everything they can at Trump. But one thing they can't throw at him is the word rape. And that word has been used by Tara Reid about the sexual assault that occurred to her in her 20s when she was a staffer to Joe Biden. I'll be right back. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story, 
It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin was a kid. His teachers didn't like his snide sense of humor. Today, they still don't like it. Call Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. Yes, yes, indeed. You got it. Here we be. I want to tell you something that we're doing here at Westwood One Radio Network. More than 37 million people in America struggle with hunger every day, and now... They need our help more than ever. People who have never before needed assistance are in trouble because the economy has been closed down in so many areas. And all because of job losses caused by this pandemic and political decisions. This is the Feeding America Emergency Radiothon today. I want you to give us us some help. Give them some help. You can help by donating to RadioCares.org, RadioCares.org, by texting the word FEED to 95819. And we'll send the donation link right to your phone. Now, these closures and this pandemic continue to resonate throughout the economy and the country. We now have over 30 million people in the last five weeks who have applied for unemployment compensation. 30 million people. It's hitting Americans very hard in every community, all across the country. More and more of our friends and neighbors are finding themselves in a desperate situation, making the fight against hunger harder than ever. I'm not calling on the government to do more. I'm calling on us, our own decisions, our own private individual decisions, to do more by donating at radiocares.org, radiocares.org, or by texting the word FEED, to 95819, and we'll send the donation link right to your phone. So I hope you'll participate in this. I have, we all are, and will, to the extent you're able to. It's radiocares.org, or texting the word FEED to 95819. We don't need the government to tell us to do this. We can help our fellow citizens on our own. The deaths, the Drudge Report keeps very close very close attention on the number of deaths in this country. Not because there's any compassion about it, but they want to blame it on Trump. When you look at all the links up there, it's like Mediate. It's like David Brock now runs the, uh, the Drudge website, I'm sorry to say. Uh, and it's link after link after link. There's no hope, according to that homepage. No hope, we're all doomed, it's over, and it's Trump's fault. Now, of course, that's asinine and ridiculous. And there have been decisions made, many decisions made at the local and state level that have been costly. And I don't just mean financially. We've been leading the battle in many of these areas to get the facts out, to get the truth out. And since New York was the red hot and the red hottest of hot zones, that in New Jersey, we have focused a lot on that and the information that comes out of there. And we've pointed out that on March 25th, Howard Zucker, an MD and a JD, 
commissioner of the Department of Health of the state of New York, and Sally Dreslin, registered nurse, executive deputy commissioner. On March 25th, they issued a, uh, a, a, a dictate at the direction of Andrew Cuomo. And I have it right in front of me. And it's to nursing home administrators, directors of nursing, and hospital discharge planners. Please distribute immediately. COVID-19 has been detected in multiple communities throughout New York State. There's an urgent need to expand hospital capacity in New York State to be able to meet the demand for patients with COVID-19 requiring acute care. Now, as it turns out, there was enough, there were enough hospital beds and are enough hospital beds. And most of the hospital beds that the federal government has provided at the direction of the president, whether it's the military or Army Corps of Engineers and so forth, have gone unused. Almost all the ventilators that have been provided by the federal government have gone unused. As a result of this directive, is being issued to clarify expectations for nursing homes receiving residents returning from hospitalization and for nursing homes accepting new admissions. Hospital discharge planning staff and nursing homes should carefully review this guidance with all staff directly involved in resident admission, transfer, and discharges. During this global health emergency, all nursing homes must comply with the expedited receipt of residents returning from hospitals to nursing homes. Residents are deemed appropriate for return to nursing homes upon a determination by the hospital physician or designee that the resident is medically stable for return. Hospital discharge planners must confirm to the nursing home by telephone that the resident is medically stable for discharge. Comprehensive discharge instructions must be provided by the hospital to the transport of a resident to the nursing home. Now here's the kicker. No resident shall be denied readmission or admission or admission to the nursing home solely based on a confirmed or suspected diagnosis of COVID-19. Nursing homes are prohibited from requiring a hospitalized resident who is determined medically stable to be tested for COVID-19 prior to admission or readmission. There was no way that these nursing homes could protect their residents or protect themselves if they wanted to test Because there was no reason to test, you see. They had to take the patient at the direction of the hospital. I want to draw the attention of this to the so-called news hosts on all the cable channels. You really ought to start doing your homework. And the next day, the Wall Street Journal, solely and only the Wall Street Journal, wrote an article about this, a news article, not an opinion, a news article. Headline, New York Madness, excuse me, should read that. New York mandates nursing homes take COVID-19 patients discharged from hospitals. State cites urgent need to expand hospital capacity. Doctors say, doctor group says decision represents a clear and present danger to all the residents of nursing homes. And in the piece it says the decision will draw pushback from some nursing home officials who warned 
that such moves endanger residents who aren't infected by the virus because discharged patients may still be contagious. A group representing doctors who work in nursing homes known as AMDA, the Society of Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine, said in a recent resolution that admitting patients with suspected or documented COVID-19 infection represents a clear and present danger to all the residents of a nursing home. Now, follow the science, follow the medicine, follow the doctors. What did Cuomo do? What did Zucker do? What did Dreslin do? Nothing. They ignored these people. And now they're investigating them for violations. Because you see, the decision to send them there in the first place, perfectly rational, perfectly logical. What's the problem? 25 to 30 percent of the people, as best as we can tell so far, who have died from this virus were in nursing homes, senior citizen care, or assisted care living facilities. More than that percentage of the frail and elderly have died who aren't in those facilities. That is, the aggregate number. So it could well be significantly over 30%. Governor DeSantis in Florida, rather than sending people who have tested positive for the coronavirus into nursing homes and assisted living homes and other senior citizen facilities, did the opposite. He put out orders and directives and tried to provide assistance to these facilities to protect their patients and their residents. And Florida has a much smaller percentage of outbreaks and deaths. What makes New York so different? More Chinese visitors from Wuhan? No. More European visitors? Maybe. It's a very dense area, right? Got 8 million people. Soon to be a lot less than that as people leave that corrupt, mismanaged city and state. It's a very dense, populated area. But there are other densely populated areas, too, that didn't have this kind of outbreak. This is one of the boneheaded decisions by the politicians in New York that have caused grievous harm to the people in New York. Mr. Colstrainer, were you able to find that article that I wanted, MIT? It's on our recap. All right, I need it right away. Because when we come back, and we found it and we posted it, I just need to acquire it now. Um, Other decisions that made New York and New York City red hot zones. And it just amazes me. You have these people in the White House press corps. Why am I going over this again? Because... They and these, and these liberal websites like the Drudge Report and Media Matters and, uh, and Media and the others, they seem to believe that the President of the United States is responsible for people who die. Well, the virus is, and the Chinese government is. But there was serious mishandling that took place in many of these cities and states. I'll be right back. in. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, 
I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. All right. Now, as we first broke here, in addition to this decision with nursing homes and assisted uh, senior citizen facilities in New York, the decision by the governor, there were other decisions. The subway seeded the massive coronavirus epidemic in New York City. Jeffrey Harris, Department of Economics, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, since been updated. And here's the abstract or the point. New York City's multi-pronged subway system was a major disseminator, if not the principal transmission vehicle, of coronavirus infection during the initial takeoff of the massive epidemic that became evident throughout the city during March 2020. The near shutoff of subway ridership in Manhattan, down by over 90% at the end of March, correlates strongly with the substantial increase in the doubling time of new cases in this borough. Subway lines with the largest drop in ridership during the second and third weeks of March had the lowest subsequent rates of infection in the zip codes traversed by the uh, routes. Maps of subway station turnstile entries superimposed upon zip code uh, uh, level maps of uh, reported coronavirus incident are strongly consistent with the subway facilitated disease propagation. Reciprocal seeding of infection appears to be the best explanation for the emergence of a single hotspot in Midtown West in Manhattan. All right. So he looks at all the data for subway use, and then he looks at all the data for when the coronavirus broke out and where it broke out earliest and most intensively. And he's tracking it on the subway system. And he's saying because of the dense loads, that is populations in each one of these cars, which became even more dense when the decision was made to slash the schedule and to slash the number of cars that were put in use. Same with the bus system, by the way. That it had the effect, had the effect of being a major disseminator of the virus. You haven't seen this in the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost. You've seen a few backbenchers, plagiarists, who, who steal this stuff from me. That's okay. But you haven't heard about this much on cable or anything else. So you have a couple of things that have gone on where real investigative reporters could figure this out. You start with this MIT document. 
It's a National Bureau of Economic Research working paper, number 27021, Social Science Research Network. First prepared April 13th, updated April 24th, Department of Economics. And he had a lot of input from scores of other experts. But no, they don't look at this. These are charts you won't find on Mediate. These are charts you won't find daily on cable TV. Because it might point the finger at the boneheads who run New York. So there were decisions made, political slash governmental decisions made, which intensified this virus in New York City, in particular boroughs in New York City, at particular sites within boroughs of New York City. That can be identified by comparing the intensity of the original breakouts with the locations of the subway stops. And the decisions, and the decisions by the mayor and the governor. So when you take this into consideration, when Cuomo says, hey, we relied on the science from the president and his people. I don't know what you relied on, Cuomo, but I know what you did. And the actions you took endangered many, many of your citizens. Many, many of your citizens. This is why you look at these different governors and the actions they took, Abbott, DeSantis, and other. And you might say, well, they don't have a New York City. But when you do have a New York City, you have to be especially mindful of making wise decisions, not sending people who are coronavirus positive into nursing homes, and not making these subway cars even more dense than they otherwise would be. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I want to remind you of something. You can always listen to us on all of our magnificent affiliates from Sea to Shining Sea on AM and FM radio, and we really appreciate their, their loyalty. But some of them aren't. We'll be preempted, or even worse, they decide to push us late into the night, and I've pretty much had enough of that. But I want to thank all those other affiliates who deal with us straight. I very much appreciate all of them. But I want to remind you, you can always listen to us on our podcast, and our podcast has become quite massive. Quite massive. So if decisions are made to push this show late at night or to do other things, you have ways to program the show yourself. So I want you to download this, all you Levinites out there. All of you listening now, you say, well, what's the problem? I got the right. All you Levinites out there, I want you to download this. You don't have to do anything. It costs you nothing. It's just another way to listen to the program. Go to marklevinshow.com. That's the mothership 
website that we've had for years and years and years. MarkLevinShow.com. That'll take you to the homepage. Look at the middle top of the homepage. The top of the homepage in the middle, you'll see Audio Rewind. A link right there. Just click it. Once you click that, you'll go to our podcast page. And there you'll have the ability to pick a variety of platforms. The Apple Podcast platform, I think, is the most popular. But you can go to Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever you want. They all effectively do the same thing. But I understand the Apple one is the most popular. Doesn't matter. Click it. And you're set. So you go to the website, marklevinshow.com. You click on the middle of the top of the homepage, Audio Rewind. That takes you to the podcast page. Then you click on and download the, the platform that you want to use to listen to the program. We older folks, it's almost like Dick Tracy, you know, where the TV's on your phone. Well, the radio can be on your phone. And it's very simple. And frankly, that's how my kids listen to the show. But you can always have this as a backup, you see. If you can't listen to the program because you're doing something else, something's come up with the family, there's something else you want to watch, great. But you can always listen to the podcast. My wife is a runner. It's a marathon runner, but she's a runner. When she's out there running, she'll listen to the podcast because she wants to hear my show twice. I don't know why, but sometimes she wants to hear my show twice. But I want to strongly encourage all of you out there, the millions and millions of you who are listening to this program, to lock into the podcast so you have it. Or maybe you're driving somewhere where the show isn't aired, or you can't get the signal. Who knows what? MarkLevinShow.com, that's the website. Take you to the home page. You look at the middle, top of the page. It's Audio Rewind. Click that. Takes you to the podcast page, then click on the platform you want. It's that simple. You download it. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. We have one of the biggest podcasts in the country. And it's going to get bigger one day. Because I have some ideas that I want to do. uh, Put in place. Always, too, don't forget our social sites. Mark Levin Show Facebook. I never talk about these. Mark Levin Show Facebook are not enough. Or Mark Levin Show Twitter. You can be a follower. It's very simple. We've already passed the 2 million mark on Mark Levin Show Twitter. So our goal is to really muscle that up. And same over at Facebook. But something weird at Facebook, Mr. Producer. Our numbers don't increase that fast. I don't know if Facebook's screwing around with it or what. But we have picked up hundreds and hundreds of thousands of new followers on Twitter. And Facebook. But Twitter especially. So I want to encourage you to be involved in that. You'll see I have a lot of posts up there. I post a lot of information. I don't think just people in radio and TV should be on there looking at what I post. You should be on there too, you Levinites. And we love your comments. If you keep them clean, we love to have your comments. Very interactive. And we got a lot going on here. All right, President Trump in the Oval Office today made some Very, very important comments about Flynn and other matters. But before I get to that, we have a Gallup poll. It's pretty interesting. 50% approve, 48% disapprove of the president's handling of the COVID-19 situation. Now, when you consider, I want you to think about this. When you have these demagogues and propagandists out there who are blaming the president literally for deaths, 
for states that have shortages because they chose solar panels over ventilators? For not acting fast enough when in fact it's the Democrats in the Senate and in the House, we'd still have an impeachment trial going on if they had their way. When you consider all the lies and the propaganda used against this president, this is pretty remarkable. 50% approved, 48% disapproved. COVID-19, this is Gallup, COVID-19 situation approval down from 60% last month. Overall job approval rating now at 49%. That's significant. That's pretty high. Look, he, when you consider the Stalinist-like media that has been trashing this man from before he even announced, and every minute since, really a monopoly of media, there's very few exceptions, and the Russian bogus scandal, and the Ukraine bogus scandal, and now the effort to try and blame the President of the United States. If you go, and I'm not encouraging it, to the Drudge Report, or to Mediate, or these other left-wing sites, you will see a propaganda campaign day in and day out against your president that is disgusting. These are not news aggregating sites. These are left-wing aggregating sites. It's shocking, I know, but it is what it is. Look, David Brock used to be a conservative. Now he runs Media Matters, and he's a left-wing kook. It happens. Gallup says Americans divide evenly when asked whether they approve or disapprove of the way President Trump is handling the coronavirus situation in the U.S., with 50% approving and 48% disapproving. Approval of his handling of the COVID-19 crisis is down, including a 10-point decline among independents and 16-point decline among Democrats. That must be the Democrats drinking Lysol, Mr. Producer, don't you think? Not surprising, given the dominance of these events, that the president's overall job approval rating nearly matches his approval rating on COVID-19. Gallup's poll found uh, April 14 to 28, overall job approval 49%. The same as in March 13 to 22 poll, but higher than his reading of 43% in April. So what's hidden in this is the president's job approval rating has gone up from 43% to 49%. His job approval rating has gone up. If we had an honest media, truly free media in this country, I think the guy's ratings would be well into the 50s, if not 60% at this point. I mean, really. You want the breakdown? Nah, who cares about the breakdown? You know, the Democrats hate him, the Republicans love him, the independents are schizophrenic. Generally speaking, Trump's recent job approval ratings have been higher than at any point in his presidency. Did you hear that? Trump's recent approval ratings have been higher than at any point in his presidency. That's good. And we talked about yesterday the enthusiasm gap where Trump supporters, their enthusiasm was high and very, well over 60%, and Biden's in the mid to low 40% range, if I recall correctly. But we're going to have to fight like hell to win this election. We absolutely are. In every precinct, in every town, in every state. Every time. Here's the president in the Oval Office today talking about this information that's come out against, well, against the effort to, to railroad General Flynn, a great hero, 33 years serving this country, and look what they, look what they did to this man. 
Cut one, go. When I looked at what they did to him, they tormented him. Dirty cups tormented General Flynn. General Flynn is a fine man, 35 years or so in the military. Uh, you don't get to be where he is by being bad, that I can tell you. And then he, right at the beginning of the administration, the dirty cops came in. And you see the notes, Jim. I mean, whether you're on our side, that side, whatever. I mean, I assume let's all talk about fairness. What they did to General Flynn, and by the way, to Roger Stone and to others, was a disaster and a disgrace. And it should never be allowed to happen in this country again. And what I really hoped, because uh, CNN tormented him, in all fairness, I really hope to see, because they haven't been doing it, and I appreciate your question, I hope to see that CNN will not even apologize, which they should, but just cover it fairly. Because he's in the process of being exonerated. If you look at those notes from yesterday, that was total exoneration. These were dirty, filthy cops at the top of the FBI. And uh, you know the names better than I do. And they were dishonest people. Cut two, go. Was it a mistake to fire him? Would you bring him back on? Well, what I wish I had was all the information where they were uh, out to get him. They wanted him. They were trying to force him to lie. You see the, the written statements where they were trying to force him into a position where we can get him on a lie or can we get him this way or that way. This is terrible. This is like what happened in, and I'm not going to name the countries because we deal with these countries, okay? But what would happen in other countries, not the USA, what they did to General Flynn and others and others is a disgrace. And I hope, really, I hope your networks are going to cover it. Because, you know, I've seen where it's the biggest story in the world a year ago and a year and a half. Flynn, Flynn, Flynn. And then he's essentially exonerated. Now, that's not official yet, but when you read the notes, how could you do anything else? And I hear this, I hear this much, I hear, Jim, I hear this much more coming up. I think it would be so good for CNN if you covered it honestly and if you reported honestly. It would be so good for the network. Yeah, well, they're not going to do that because Jeffrey Motherzucker is an ideologue. He's a hack. He hates Trump. And so everything is seen through the highs of that, that mindset. Now, James Comey, back on December 9th, 2018, he bragged about violating FBI policy to ambush Flynn in this corrupt setup. I want you to listen to this. I want you to remember this. This is a hat tip, real clear politics. Cut three, go. You look at this White House now, and it's hard to imagine two FBI agents ending up in the sit room. How did that happen? I sent them. (laughs) And by the way, by the way, look how they're laughing. And the reprobate asking the question is... Nicole Wallace, an IQ of a, of a, I don't know, is there anything below negative? I don't think so, but if there is, she's there. Go ahead. Um, something we, I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration, in the George W. Bush administration, for example, or the Obama administration, <laughs> the protocol. Something I wouldn't have gotten away with, ladies and gentlemen, but I got away with it here. Hee, <laughs> Clown is laughing. Punk. So are the clapping seals in the audience. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. It's it's, it's a great laugh. Go ahead. And that all of us have perhaps increased appreciation for uh, over the last two years. (laughs) 
in both of those administrations, there was process. And so if the FBI wanted to send agents into the White House itself to interview a senior official, you would work through the White House counsel. Well, this, is, this is really, he's such a loathsome puke. The administration just came into existence. What is he talking about if there's process? The administration literally just came into existence. This interview took place, I forget if it was January 24th or January 27th. I have it, but I, I don't have it in front of me. And he's the director of the FBI. He's a former deputy attorney general of the United States. He's a former United States attorney. He's a former assistant United States attorney. He knows the rules. This isn't funny. You don't cut corners when somebody's life is at stake. Look for opportunities to destroy another human being. What kind of person is this? Go ahead. Discussions and approvals and who would be there. Ah, shut up, you jerk. You jerk. You're the one who needs to be in prison. With a big, strong, heavy dude named Bruce. I'll be right back. Mark in. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Nancy Pelosi was in usual form today, which would be rare for most human beings. I'm convinced Nancy Pelosi is of the same mental incapacity as Joe Biden. And I don't say that with any glee. It is what it is. She was asked today about Joe Biden. Cut four, go. How do uh, Democrats square with the idea that, that they're essentially a Respect your question, and I don't need a, a lecture or a speech. Here's the thing. Now, actually, you do, you dimwit. You need a lecture and a speech. Because you don't believe in women's rights. Joe Biden's accused of raping a staffer in 1993. And you don't care. You don't care. Let's make it clear. She doesn't care, and neither do any of the other women in the leadership of the Democrat Party. And neither will the woman who Biden chooses as a running mate. That woman won't care either. Stacey Abrams doesn't care. Gillibrand doesn't care. Kamala Harris doesn't care. None of them care. None of them. 
Go ahead. I have a complete respect for the whole Me Too movement. I have four daughters and one son. And uh, there's a lot of excitement around the idea that women will be heard and be listened to. There is also due process. And uh, the. No, there isn't due process, you moron. No, there isn't due process. Kavanaugh didn't get due process. Clarence Thomas didn't get due process. And the irony is, among those leading the charge against Clarence Thomas with these bogus Anita Hill claims, was Joe Biden. Was Joe Biden. Go ahead. Joe Biden. Is Joe Biden. Uh, There's been statements from his campaign, or not his campaign, but his former employees who ran his offices and the rest, that there was never any record. You see, ladies and gentlemen, she believes in due process for Joe Biden, but but not for Tara Reid. Now she's saying, but there are other people in office who who did. Well, so what? Maybe he didn't molest them. Go ahead. There was never any record. And that uh, you don't know that there wasn't any record. The papers are at the University of Delaware and the University of Delaware won't make the records available. She's asked for the records. Go ahead. Ever came forward or nobody ever came forward to say something about it apart from the principal involved. Isn't she amazing, ladies and gentlemen? Isn't she amazing? All you women in the suburbs, you know, there's Donald Trump. I want you to listen to this woman. They only care about protecting liberal Democrat women or women who will hurt the president, not protecting women generally. She's a disgusting, fascistic disgrace. That's right. I said it. Printed everywhere. And she's the Speaker of the House. Due process? She doesn't even ask for due process. She's already trashing this accuser. Her claims are credible. And we need to figure out how to get to the bottom of this. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. The only show with a warning label, The Liberals, The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Let me tell you a little secret, ladies and gentlemen. When a United States senator is accused, of course we don't have the answer, guilty or not, but when he's accused of, of doing what Biden's accused of doing, it's not a one-off situation. It's not a one-off situation. You know, Biden was hanging around and palsing around with Ted Kennedy. And he wasn't the only one. It's not a one-off situation. And what's happening now is the Democrats in Pelosi and others understand that this could be the tip of an iceberg and they want to keep this thing under wraps. And that's why Biden is going to talk, I believe it's tomorrow, to Joe Scarborough because he knows Scarborough is in his corner, as everybody else knows. He knows MSNBC is in his corner. He knows the media are in his corner. So they'll do some shucking and driving. 
so they can say they did some shucking and jiving. But they're clearly not pursuing this with any kind of integrity or passion or concern. In the Me Too movement, you don't even hear from it. Now, I want to talk to you about an organization that's doing important work on college campuses across the country. In only seven years, Charlie Kirk and his team at Turning Point USA have created a conservative grassroots force organizing and training students at nearly 2,000 colleges, adding more than one new school a day, and that's over a quarter of a million students. And Turning Point's making a real difference on campuses across the country. They're playing offense, not defense, but they need your help to stay on offense. To learn more, go to markforturningpoint.com or simply text MARK to this number, 53455. We do ensure the next generation protects the principles that we hold dear. Turning Point's work really matters. With a commitment of $50 or more, Charlie will send you a signed copy of his latest book, New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine. Text MARK to 53445 and you'll receive a link where you can give. Again, visit markforturningpoint.com right now or text MARK to 53445 and help this group continue their extremely important work. There's a piece of Breitbart by Ezra Dulles. A 2008 column in the far-left magazine Counterpunch accusing Joe Biden of, quote, louder sexual advances, unquote, in the U.S. Senate has become a lightning rod in the debate over Biden and his former staffer, Tara Reid's allegation of sexual assault in 1993. Isn't this remarkable? This just shows you how corrupt and dishonest the American media are. When this guy was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee trying to destroy Clarence Thomas over truthfully bogus allegations, the media didn't look into Biden's background. Why? Because he's doing their dirty work, folks. These members of the media, they're Democrats, they're liberals. Whether they're officially party members or not doesn't matter. Some of them are. Some of them have been. The article written by the late Alexander Cockburn lamented then-presidential candidate Barack Obama's choice of Biden as a running mate in August 2008. Biden, in Cockburn's view, was an empty and worthless swamp creature. A D.C. insider chosen purely to improve Obama's electoral odds would ultimately stifle any progressive agenda for the candidate of hope and change. Yet just five paragraphs in, Cockburn made an aside about Biden's character that accused him of harassing women who worked in the Senate, even while he was supposedly grieving for his wife. I didn't write this, I'm reading it. Biden is a notorious flapjaw, wrote Cockburn. His vanity deludes him into believing that every word that drops from his mouth is minted in the golden currency of pericles. Vanity is the most conspicuous characteristic of U.S. senators in bloc, nourished by deferential acolytes and often expressed in loudest sexual advances to staffers, interns, and the like. On more than one occasion, Counterpunch's editors have listened to vivid accounts by the recipient of just such advances, this staffer of another senator being accosted by Biden in the well of the Senate in the weeks immediately following his first wife's car crash. These three sentences have gone viral as the former VP, now the presumptive Democrat presidential nominee, is trying to discredit Tara Reid, a woman who briefly worked for Biden's office in early 1990s. 
Reid says Biden pushed her against the wall. I'm not going to get into this. You can read that yourself. Counterpunch republished Cockburn's piece this Tuesday, framing it around the much-shared passage with a new title, Biden the Lout. Editor Jeffrey St. Clair added a note to the beginning of the post. We reprint the story today because it makes clear that the allegations of sexual misconduct against Senate staffers has been swirling around Biden for many years, dating back to his first years in the Senate. Now, the magazine's reporting contradicts a talking point reportedly shared within the Biden campaign. Hours after Counterpunch republished Cockburn's column, BuzzFeed published a story containing the apparent party line on Reid's accusation, which you would expect from BuzzFeed. They're busy over there drinking Lysol. Quote, Biden believes that all women have the right to be heard. Now, this is the line. You have the right to be heard. What does that mean? You have the right to be heard. And, and Pelosi says the same thing. This is the line. It's not a matter of the right to be heard. They're trashing her. And to have their claims thoroughly reviewed, the talking points read, according to a copy sent to two Democratic operatives, in this case, a thorough review by the New York Times has led to the truth this incident did not happen. Of course, the Times, which did a hit job on Tara Reid and tried to defend Biden, claims that it didn't. Do a, uh, it didn't come to the conclusion that Biden was an innocent man. The final sentence, there's never been a complaint, allegation, hint, or rumor of any impropriety or inappropriate conduct like this regarding Biden ever is clearly refuted by Cockburn's column, printed more than a decade before this current scandal. I'm sure Brian Stelter will be all over this. No, 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 you don't understand. What, what's that, Brian? Fox News uh, concocted this entire thing. Uh, Sean Hannity did. He concocted the whole thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. No, I know this to be the case. And how do you know that, Brian? Well, because Fox, uh, Fox, you know, it's Fox, 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 Russia, I mean, right, Fox. Oh, okay, Brian. You moron. So Nancy Pelosi continued. CNN today, she's making her appearances in her favorite media organs. Here she is, cut five, go. Well, I have great sympathy for any women who bring forth an allegation. I'm a big, strong supporter of the Me Too movement. I, oh, I think uh-huh. it's been a great, made a great uh-huh. contribution uh, uh-huh. to our country. Uh-huh. And, a, and, and I do um, uh, support Joe Biden. I'm satisfied uh, with how he has uh, responded. Well, I know- Joe Biden hasn't said a word. Joe Biden never said a word. He didn't respond. And she's satisfied with him, his response. She's as much of a low IQ knucklehead as is Joe Biden. The Democrat Party is, is attracted to this sort of person. Now, Mr. Producer, do you know why they can't turn on Joe Biden? He's their nominee. What the hell are they going to do? I mean, they haven't nominated him yet, but he's got the delegate. He's their nominee. So they can't jettison Joe Biden. And, of course, all guns are aimed at Trump. So they would vote for an orange juice can over Donald Trump, wouldn't they? And an orange juice can, of course, as we all know, is smarter than Joe Biden. Go ahead. I was proud to endorse him the other day on Monday. Very proud to endorse him. Uh, and so I'm, I'm satisfied with So that. she's proud to endorse Biden. She's satisfied uh, with his response, which is non-existent. And that just shows you, all you women out there, 
who think the Democrat Party stand with you, you're wrong. They don't. They don't stand with you. They stand for their own. It's just a pretext. It's not about women's rights. It's about liberal women's rights. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, he hasn't, to be clear, he hasn't addressed it. His campaign has addressed it, but he has not directly addressed it. Should he directly, publicly address it? Now, let's stop here. Allison Camerata, I remember you when you were at Fox and you were a real serious reporter. You still have this in you. You still have this in you. You need to break loose from the Jim Jones types at CNN. You got to get away from there. You got you to get away from the Jim Jones mentality over there at the Constipated News Network. You have this within you before you completely and utterly destroy yourself. Just a side point. Go ahead. You know, it's a, a matter that he has to deal with, but I am impressed with the people who worked for him at the time saying they ever, absolutely never heard one uh, uh, iota of information about this. Nobody ever brought forth a, a claim. You know, this is such a phony diversion. She never told the others in the office about it. Gee, I wonder why. I thought every woman who makes an accusation is to be believed. Is to be believed. Is it not enough that she has five individuals who corroborate what she said? That's five more than, than Pelosi and the others had against Kavanaugh. Go ahead. Or had anybody else tell them about such a claim. So in other okay. words, you need, you need multiple victims to come out. Otherwise, Nancy Pelosi's not convinced. But look, she's all for the Me Too movement. She has four daughters and a son. So she's all for the Me Too movement. And as long as women are heard... Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's not the test. As long as women are heard. If somebody makes a credible allegation of rape, and that's what we're talking about here, you better believe that needs to be taken seriously. She puts her name on the line. A former neighbor puts her name on the line. Others have come forward and put their names on the line. More than you have in the Kavanaugh case, more than you really have in the Clarence Thomas case or any of the rest of this. But keep in mind, this is the same party that defended Ted Kennedy. Chappaquiddick Ted. Circled the wagons around Chappaquiddick Ted. Don't ever forget that. And it's the same media that covered up the Holocaust and that reported propaganda from Walter Durandi about Stalin and Stalin's massacre of the Ukrainians. Keep all this in mind. That's what we're dealing with here. Go ahead. Again, we have a... Um, a ah, impo- shut up, you rambling buffoon. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Don't forget I'll be on Hannity tonight. 9.30 p.m. Eastern, approximately 6.30 p.m. Pacific. As social distancing has become prevalent, more important than ever to call, text, or video chat with your loved ones. Which means you need a low-cost wireless service that still has the great quality of service you need. Well, you can feel confident with Pure Talk USA. Pure Talk USA covers 99% of all American households. 
And during this month of April, you can enjoy unlimited talk, text, plus one gig of data for as little as $20 a month. And this month of April is almost over. And by the way, if you're an AMAC member, you can get plans as low as $10 a month. That is real money that Pure Talk is putting back in your pocket during the time you need it most. Switching literally takes just minutes. You can even keep your number and your phone. And Pure Talk's customer service is all U.S.-based. They are the only wireless provider that AMAC endorses and that I endorse. So you know they care about their customers and they care about my audience. Switch to Pure Talk today. It's so easy. So easy. Start saving every single month. Start this way. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword Mark Levin. That'll get you started. Again, pound 250 and say Mark Levin. Pound 250-250, promo code Levin. You're going to love the quality of this service. You're going to love the pricing. You're going to say, why didn't I do this before? Because you never heard them before. Now you know. Pure Talk USA. Simply smarter wireless. Now the media. Yes, we are the experts on the media. Well, there's an incestuous relationship between journalists and the Democrat Party. You know, there's a piece written September 2013 in the Atlantic of all places that talked about a couple dozen journalists who transitioned from media jobs to the Obama administration. And they go back and forth all the time. Some Republicans, but not not like the Democrats. You want to hear this? Time Managing Editor Rick Stengel moved to the State Department as Undersecretary of State for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs. This is all in the Obama administration. Douglas France, who wrote for the New York Times and the Los Angeles Times, was an Assistant Secretary of State for Public Affairs. Boston Globe Online Politics Editor Glenn Johnson was a Senior Advisor at the State Department. Washington Post writer Stephen Barr moved to the Labor Department as Senior Managing Director of the Office of Public Affairs. Washington Post congressional reporter Shyla Murray became Vice President Joe Biden's communications director and later senior advisor to Obama. Rosa Brooks was a columnist for the LA Times before taking a position with the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy. The Washington Post Desson Thomas left the paper to serve as a speechwriter for the U.S. Ambassador to Britain. Roberta Baskin, a one-time CBS News investigative reporter, joined the Department of HHS as a senior communications advisor. The Washington Post's Warren Bass, an Outlook section deputy editor, joined then-UN Ambassador Susan Rice as director of speechwriting and senior policy advisor. Education Week reporter David Hoff moved to the Education Department. CNN senior political reporter Sasha Johnson joined the Department of Transportation and later became chief of staff at the FAA. The Chicago Tribune Zill Zuckman moved to the Department of Transportation as communications director. Wow. Rick Weiss who had worked for the Washington Post, became communications director and senior policy strategist for the Washington White House, excuse me, Office of Science and Technology. Former CBS and ABC reporter Linda Douglas joined the Obama campaign, later communications director for the White House Office of Health Reform. New York Times reporter Eric Dash moved to the Treasury Department's public affairs office, as did MSNBC producer Anthony Reyes. CNN's Anish Rahman worked for the Obama campaign and later a speechwriter for Obama. CNN's national security reporter Jim Shuto, formerly with ABC News, serves as chief of staff to U.S. Ambassador to China Gary Locke. San Francisco Chronicle environment reporter Kelly Zito joined the EPA Public Affairs Office. Time Magazine Washington Bureau Chief Jay Carney became communications director for VP Biden and subsequently press secretary to Obama. 
Now, on June 12, 2013, the Washington Post Paul Fari found the following. ABC News President Ben Sherwood, his brother of Elizabeth Sherwood Randall, a top national security advisor to President Obama. His counterpart at CBS News Division, President David Rhodes, is the brother of Benjamin Rhodes. CNN's Deputy Washington Bureau Chief Virginia Mosley is married to Tom Nides, formerly Deputy Secretary of State under Hillary Clinton. Further, White House Press Secretary Jay Carney's wife is Claire Shipman, a veteran reporter for ABC. National Public Radio's White House correspondent Ari Shapiro is married to a lawyer, Michael Gottlieb, who joined the White House Counsel's Office. Vice President Biden's one-time communications director, Shiloh Murray, is married to Neil King, one of the Wall Street Journal's top political reporters. What do you think of all this, Mr. Producer? Pretty shocking. There are other former staffers who now work in the media, or did recently. MSNBC's Chris Matthews previously worked for, among others, President Jimmy Carter and Democratic House Speaker Tip O'Neill. CNN's Chris Cuomo's brother did New York's Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo. CNN's Jake Tapper worked for Democratic Congresswoman Marjorie Margolis, Mazvinsky, and Handgun Control Inc. And ABC's George Stephanopoulos, of course, worked for President Clinton. Now, there are others including some Republicans, but this provides a sense of the coziness between the national Washington, D.C. media and the Democratic Party. All out of unfreedom of the press, right there in the first chapter. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader Mark Levin Hello everybody Mark Levin here our number 877-381-3811 Don't forget the Harvard Kennedy School's Shorenson Center on Media Politics and Public Policy. On May 18, 2017, they issued a comprehensive analysis of news coverage of the first 100 days of the Trump administration. And they concluded Trump's coverage during his first 100 days was not merely negative in overall terms. It was unfavorable on every dimension. There was not a single major topic where Trump's coverage was more positive than negative. Not one. Six of the seven U.S. outlets in our study, CBS, CNN, NBC, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, The Washington Post, among those he's attacked by name, all six portrayed Trump's first 100 days in highly unfavorable terms. CNN and NBC's coverage with the most unrelenting negative stories about Trump outpaced positive ones 13 to 1 in two networks. Trump's coverage on CBS exceeded the 90% negative mark. Trump's coverage exceeded the 80% level 
in the New York Times, 87%. Washington Post, 83%. I mean, this is really amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. And, and this is the Harvard School. This is Harvard. It, it's shocking. Absolutely shocking. You want to know why he doesn't get a break? Whether it's the coronavirus, Russia, or any of the rest of it? This is why. The media are filled with propagandists and demagogues. They didn't break this Michael Flynn story. They didn't break the, the, the evidence of the Obama administration's conduct. Nor would they. I just want to remind you, the FBI was spying on the Trump campaign. The FBI was spying on Carter Page. FBI was spying on Michael Flynn, unmasked him to the Washington Post and withheld exculpatory evidence from the FISA court. The FBI was leaking to the press and to the New York Times, among others. The FBI was conspiring to trigger the 25th Amendment. The FBI director used a discredited document paid for by Hillary Clinton's campaign and the DNC to threaten the president-elect when he met with him. FBI director wrote self-serving memos, which he then removed to his home and leaked to the press. FBI director and the Democrats succeeded in pressuring for the appointment of a special counsel to criminally investigate the president, even though the president was the victim. Mueller appoints openly partisan Democrat prosecutors to his staff. The president asserts no privileges over witnesses or documents, and he's exonerated. But that's not enough. What was done to Michael Flynn is a disgrace, and everybody who's participated in this cabal should be facing a jury and the prospect of losing their own homes and their own jobs. But CNN hires McCabe. This had nothing to do with Russia when it comes to Mike Flynn. Nothing. They're out to get him. And it becomes obvious when you read the notes. It has nothing to do with Russia. That was a pretext. There was nothing wrong with this conversation. There were no violations of law. Nothing. Nothing. And he loses everything. Absolutely sickening. Sickening. I don't know what else to say about this. Now, our friends at Project Veritas last week, they spoke to the director of Staten Island Colonial Funeral Home, Michael Lanza. And I've talked about this at some length, been attacked, but when I'm under attack, I fight back harder. That there's something that's not quite right about the way that we're collecting this data and labeling this data. It doesn't mean a lot of people didn't die from this virus. Clearly, a lot of people have. But that's not the point. You want accurate data, do you not? So this is Michael Lanza, director of the Staten Island Colonial Funeral Home with Project Veritas last week. Cut 12, go. Can I prove that? No, but that is my suspicion. 
Now, Joseph Antiaco, director of Brooklyn Schaefer Funeral Home with Project Veritas. Cut 13, go. Now, if you don't have a private doctor and you are on any medical care, they're automatically putting down on the debts to be a COVID-19 because they don't want to go. They're so overwhelmed, A, and B, they're not going out to houses anymore. They would go out to the house. They would investigate the scene. They would do some, you know, testing at the scene and then come up with a conclusion as to he had heart disease. But now they're putting everything as COVID-19, so they're padding the numbers that are making it look like, you know, yes, we do have a lot of deaths. I'm not going to say we we have been overwhelmed with them, but you start to say how many of them are actually COVID-19 or are the ME just putting it because they don't want to go to the scene? Uh, okay, okay. Because my sister was, yeah, she was... Concerned. I had a 40-year-old man that died in this house, okay? They didn't even go to the house. The guy had no underlying causes, no medical conditions. They released him from the house without even going, saying he had COVID-19 because he had a fever. But now, how do you know that's what he had? You don't. But now your death certificate shows he had COVID-19. Hmm. Must be conspiracy theorists. Out to get the man, out to get the system. Right-wing conspiracy theorists. I don't even know who these men are. But they're serious people, directors of these facilities. They'd have no reason to lie. Would they? Would they? Now, ladies and gentlemen, we've heard a lot, a lot from Andrew Cuomo. And the press really doesn't press this man. A couple of reporters have, but that's about it. He's been an absolute disaster during this pandemic. But what do you expect? He gets this loving coverage because that's the home of the New York Slimes and the New York Daily Snooze. And media types of that ilk. But Ron DeSantis, I think this man is absolutely amazing. The size of his state, the population bigger than New York State. He's got many metropolitan areas. He's got a lot of tourism in that state. A lot of people moving to that state, wanting to be in that state because of its fiscal condition as well as the weather and so forth. He's opening up his state step by step. And here's what he had to say. Cut 10, go. Today, though, Florida will take a step. Small, deliberate, methodical, and based on consultation with some of our greatest physicians towards a more hopeful future. We do have hope. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Now, I'll outline the steps that we'll be taking going forward. This new phase will start on Monday, May 4th, and will, for the time being, exclude Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. These counties have seen the lion's share of the state's epidemic, but they are trending in a positive direction. I am working with them and will continue to work with them, and I do believe that they will be able to move to phase one uh, very soon. We will get Florida back on its feet by using an approach that is safe, smart, and step-by-step. What is our biggest obstacle? Fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear sparked by constant doom and gloom and hysteria that has permeated our culture for the last six weeks. For example, we've seen a sudden drop in the number of people who are seeking medical care for heart problems and stroke symptoms. 
Not because these common ailments have all of a sudden disappeared, but because people are terrified of going to the hospital because of the coronavirus. This will have huge health consequences in the very near future. It will almost assuredly result in excessive fatalities. Fear is our enemy. Cut 11. Go. We need to focus on facts and not fear. And I think that there's been a lot that's been done to try to promote fear, to promote worst-case scenarios, to drive hysteria. And I think people should know that that worst-case scenario thinking, that has not proven to be true. So let's just take a quick look so people know. We were told over and over again Florida was going to be just like New York when it came to the coronavirus. Well, let's look at the tail of the tape. How close were we to New York? Fatalities. Obviously a much different picture. You know, we have, this is uh, uh, equal population per 100,000, much, much less. Uh, even if you did absolute numbers, we have 2 million more people. New York far, far and above uh, what Florida is. Same thing with hospitalizations. Hospitalization rate that is a mere fraction of what you see, not just in New York, uh, but many other states. And so saying Florida was going to be like New York was wrong, uh, and people need to know it was wrong. That is a great governor. You're very lucky, Florida. I'm stuck with uh, Mr. Uh, I don't know if I wore that Klan outfit and painted my face black or not. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. WABC, our man Jimmy in Brooklyn. Go. Hi, uh, Mark. You're doing a great show. Listen, we have more than one enemy. This is something Americans don't understand. I know you do. If people look at Obama's past, because this all goes back to Obama. Obama's parents were Marxist. His mentor was a Marxist, Frank Marshall Davis. Davis was on a special list to be arrested if we ever went to war with the Soviet Union. The Communist Party moved its headquarters out of New York to Chicago to help Obama get elected. How dare you, sir? How dare dare you ruin the outstanding reputation of Barack Milhouse Benito Obama? Well, I'm just adding up the history, as you know. Uh, Obama, when he was in college, said and wrote that he sought out the most radical Marxist professors, Obama, Hillary, Biden, armed the drug cartels in Mexico, transferred uranium to Russia. Russia transferred some of that probably to Iran and, uh, and North Korea, who they're working with on nukes and missiles. 
and Obama and Hillary sent, and Biden sent billions of dollars to the terrorist state of Iran. This is incredible. And then Obama's P, Obama places as the head of the CIA a guy with, con, with a communist connections that he admitted to in his past. And believe it or not, James Comey should be called James Comey because his communist <laughs> connections, his communist connections. All right, Jimmy, big. Jimmy, Jimmy. So what do we do about all this? Well, we have to get the information out. I think the whole, all of America's enemies, everything from the drug cartels, KGB mafia, all of America's enemies are united against Trump. Trump stands in the way of the drug cartels, Russia, China, radical Islam, all our enemies. Trump is standing in the way. The media is on the enemy side, except for the few conservative media and a few talk show hosts. This is the biggest battle America has ever been in. It's I, I, think, I think what they did with Trump, when he was a candidate, they put a couple of spies into his campaign. Uh, what they did with the FISA court, they withheld exculpatory information to get a warrant uh, against uh, Carter Page, which was really a backdoor way and near the end of the campaign to go after him. Uh, what they did to Flynn, uh, the pressure to appoint a special counsel, and on and on and on to the impeachment of an innocent man. This is the greatest scandal in American history. Jimmy, you, you studied this. Do you agree with me? Oh, it is, and we're in the most danger, more than the Civil War, Revolution, World War II. Like beads on a necklace, all of these groups and people are connected. They have a commonality that brings them together, like lights on a Christmas tree. The power going through the wires that he reach all the lights, it's, believe it or not, this was all stuff that was built during what they called the Cold War. Now it's united, and it's amazing. It is absolutely massive. I could prove it, most of it. Let, but top. let me ask you, Jimmy. Uh, the media immediately come to the defense of the communist Chinese regime. Um, I kind of think we're in a new Cold War, don't you? Well, it's, uh, I used to say in the past, the communists went from fourth gear to fifth gear. And this mis uh, they couldn't get Trump on his uh, fooling around with women, his tax cheating, supposedly, Russia, China. Now, mysteriously, the communist god sent them a virus. If China loses 200 million of their people and trillions of dollars, but it defeats Trump, they win. People don't understand that. Trump needs us to support him. If the media, as you said before, if the media was just fair, I think Trump's ratings would be up higher than 60, 70, 80 percent. Well, they wouldn't be much higher than 60. That's just the nature of the beast. Jimmy, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Let us continue. Charles, Gainesville, Florida, the great WSKY. Go! Uh, Mr. Levin, we're, yes. it's a, such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, Thank you. Th this has got to stop because the matter of the fact, if you if you just look, if you just look, the, the whole thing is out of control. It has to stop with all this stuff that's happening with the FBI, with Comey, with 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 Clinton, with Biden. Well, unless people start going to prison, um, here's my concern: that the president of the United States is not reelected, and Biden and his cronies and cohorts and uh, compatriots, they smother all the rest of us. Well, if, if, if we get a Democrat in there, basically we're screwed. And Pelosi, she's delirious, and Schumer, he's, he's delusional. Pelosi would look better with a box of Fruit Loops up on her shoulders rather than a hit her, that she's got a pair on her now. All right, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> Richard, Louisville, Kentucky, XM Satellite. How are you, sir? 
Hello, uh, Mark. Uh, this is Richard in Louisville. Yes, I sir. Thank you. I want to thank you. Uh, back in 2017, uh, the spring, you started putting the puzzle pieces together on all of what was going on and how they was coming after Trump, and they had to remove Michael Flynn. They had to get him out of the way. He was the most uh, uh, most experienced people in the early administration of Donald Trump, and they had to get rid of him. Mm -hmm. But, Mark, you found all of this stuff out a couple of years ago, and thanks to you, thanks to you, uh, God bless you, and I will never forget, I will tell my grandchildren what a patriot you are. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you, Uh, That's very, very kind of you. I did it with my own ensemble, too, Mr. Producer. Me, myself, and I, all three of us. Steve, Eugene, Oregon, XM Satellite, one minute, go. Go ahead, Steve. Hello. Yes, sir. Yes, I wanted your idea on this uh, prediction that they're not going to let Biden show up on the same stage with Trump by any means, that they'll have mm-hmm. a virtual debate and they'll put Trump on a five-minute delay so that Biden can't hear anything. Well, I don't know about the five-minute delay, but you raised something that's actually quite fascinating. Would they try this virtual thing? They might. They might, because that way they can whisper into Biden's ears, hand him notes. I don't know, but they got to figure out how to keep him off the stage from behind a podium, 20 feet from his opponent, where they go toe-to-toe. Because if that happens, I really think Trump's going to mop the floor in the election. We've got to push. I think there ought to be five, six, seven debates. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, the voice liberals fear most. And you can call Mark at 877-381-3811. There's a great new book out there, Don't Burn This Book, Thinking for Yourself in an Age of Unreason by David Rubin, who I've been itching to meet. David Rubin, how are you, sir? Mark, I'm good. You know, I've wanted to talk to you for quite some time. I didn't realize I had to write a book to do it. I would have <laughs> this thing out last summer. Well, I agree with you. It's, uh, it's uh, long past due. But you know what? I want people to read this book because you're a well, former progressive, but you're not so much a progressive anymore. Tell everybody your story. Yeah, well, the way I describe it, and I go into this quite heavily in the book, is that you know most of us, if you're, say, under 50 in America, you grew up in a certain cultural atmosphere through a certain educational system, 
through a certain media system, movies, the whole thing that sort of leaves your factory settings as being leftist in that, you know, you sort of get this thing handed down to you that's kind of, oh, Democrats are good, Republicans are bad, Democrats are for peace, Republicans are for war, Democrats like poor people, Republicans like money, and, and the list goes on and on. And it sort of all sounds right on, on its face value. And breaking out of factory settings is a, is a really, really difficult thing to do. And I was on uh, the Young Turks network, which is a pretty far left progressive network. And this is about five years ago when I started waking up to what was going on, because I come, I'm from New York. I was born in Brooklyn. I grew up in Long Island. I, I lived in Manhattan most of my life. And, and when I talk about being a liberal, I mean true liberal, like an old school JFK, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country, liberal. And by the way, there, we used to, I know you know this, of course, but we used to have good liberals, not only JFK, but Daniel Patrick Moynihan, Absolutely. Ed Koch. I mean, there were people that you might have some policy differences, but they didn't want the government to do absolutely everything. And I think what's happened over the last five years or so is that the progressives came in and they're... They're passionate. They're screaming all the time. Everyone who opposes them is the worst thing in the world, a racist, bigot, homophobe, Islamophobe, you know, all, all the buzzwords. And that's very attractive, I think, to young people because you don't really have to think about it. It's sort of like, oh, you're morally right, and everyone against you is, is basically evil. And there were a few things that I go into in the book that woke me up to it. But in essence, the, the key one was really understanding identity politics, because I think this is the most dangerous force that we have in America. Despite everything we're going through right now with coronavirus, I still view identity politics, this idea that we would judge each other based on our skin color, our gender, our sexuality, uh, and that we should put those things in some sort of pecking order of who should be treated which way, which, which of course always leaves the white Christian man at the bottom of the whole thing, because they're in their eyes the, the worst. Once you start waking up to it, almost everything else starts to melt away and you start realizing, you know, those conservatives who I thought were were pretty evil, those those libertarians who don't want the government to do a lot, they're, they're actually kind of the good guys. And I think what put me on the map really was that I was just very open about my my evolution. You can find videos of mine from 2016 talking about supporting Bernie. And I can tell you right now that, that he would be the worst possible thing for America. And I just was open about this this process. And I think that attracted people. You're very unique in that regard. You're very unique in that regard because it's not easy to do that. It affects family. It affects friends. It affects oh, yeah. your social circles and so forth. How did people react to you that, who knew you from, from your progressive kind of mindset? Yeah, you know, it's, it's shocking, actually, what will happen to you when you start waking up. When You know, you can find videos where I was now four years ago or so saying, hey, lefties, liberals, we have to start defending our values properly. We have to be for free speech. We have to be for tolerance and diversity of thought. And I was saying it as a lefty. And uh, suddenly the amount of people that were telling me that I suddenly was now a bigot and a racist and the rest of it. And then, then I did the biggest no-no according to their, their secular religion, which was I started to, to talk to you guys. So I started to talk to that scary Glenn Beck, and I started to talk to Dennis Prager and Shapiro and these characters. And what I suddenly realized was, well, here are these guys that I have some differences of opinion with, but they are more than happy to sit down and discuss what our differences are. I mean, in my book, I lay out all of my political positions, and there are things in there that are going to piss off conservatives. There are things in there that are going to piss off lefties. But 
the conservatives are more than happy to debate them, to sit down and say, hey, you know what? I want to live in a country with people that disagree with me, but the leftist, they want to destroy you. And that, that then goes into outrage culture and the mob that you know, comes after you, Mark, all the time and tries to take out almost anyone who has a, a flickering of an individual thought, which is why they're always going after uh, Tucker Carlson. Yesterday they went after Ben Shapiro because of something he said on my show. And, and they just want to destroy dissent where on, on the right, broadly, it's like, hey, let's, let's work it out. It, they don't, they're not always perfect at it, but there definitely is a more sort of live and let live attitude there. And you know what? It's fun. Getting yeah, into debates, you know, that aren't hostile, throwing around ideas, you can actually learn stuff. Can you believe it? If you talk to somebody else, another human being, and you listen to them, and they listen to you, you might learn something. It's crazy. And I, I think this, and maybe I'm partisan in this ideological sense, I call myself a constitutional conservative mm-hmm. because I believe really in the limits of government. I believe strongly in the Bill of Rights and especially the Declaration of Independence. So really, I live by two standards, the golden rule and uh, basically leave me alone. I'm quite serious about that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't care, in effect, what my neighbor does in his private life as long as he doesn't do it on my property. Now, we have to have some laws, obviously, right? right? I right. mean, this is, this is sort of light touch of government stuff. But beyond that, you know, that, that's the beauty of America that I think so many people forget. We have brought more freedom to more people than any country in the history of the world. And even as it stands right now, where the blue check mafia on Twitter and all of, you know, so many of the people on CNN and everywhere else, they say that the man who leads this country is Hitler, which is true cultural appropriation, by the way, but that's that's a a separate topic. They say he's Hitler and his supporters are Nazis, and yet nobody leaves. Nobody's leaving. You can you can tweet all day long, tell Donald Trump he's Hitler, and nobody nobody shows up at your door. You you can do all those things because of the beauty of America, where everyone who came here virtually came with nothing. And in almost every case, I mean, anyone any one of your listeners right now should think back: Do they have it better or worse than their parents? Did their parents have it better or worse than their parents? And it goes on and on. And in almost every case. It got better for the following generation, and yet we act as if somehow we're this evil, oppressive, patriarchal society. And if, man, if we're doing it wrong, then I have no idea who's doing it right. Now, you have some rules, or at least some uh, thoughts, about how people should think for themselves, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give us a few. Well, I think the most important thing is that right now I sense when I go to colleges especially that young people are very afraid to just speak up. I, you know, it almost sounds silly, but one of the types of things that I hear is uh, young kids will come up to me and they'll say, you know, Dave, I'm afraid to tell my friends I'm a libertarian. And at first it didn't really make sense to me. What do you mean? You just want to live and let live. Why would, why would anyone have a problem with that? And then I would hear the same thing over and over. They would say, you know, Dave, if I tell the kid, you know, my friend that I'm a libertarian, they'll say, oh, well, that means you're for low taxes. And if you're for low taxes, that means you don't want to help poor people. And if you don't want to help poor people, that means you hate black people, and that means you're a racist. Now, of course, you can go into all the numbers, and you can say, well, actually, there's more poor white people than black people, and you can tell them how the welfare state hasn't worked and the rest of it. But unfortunately, once you get that label on yourself, it is very, you know, for these young people that grew up in a time of Twitter and Facebook where they can just see hate all day long, they're really crippled by this. And, and actually, it's not just young people, because now I find that there, there are boomers, you know, there are middle-aged people that are afraid of it, too. So 
I would say I, I leave I give a bunch of tips, but I think the most important thing that you can do beyond just being brave enough to say what you believe is actually never apologize. And I would only give one caveat to that. If you genuinely do something wrong, if you genuinely lie about somebody or have something truly to apologize, you can. But what happens often, and we see this all the time, I'm sure you've been involved in some of these, we see people who don't do anything wrong. Uh, you know, they'll say basic things. I can give you a very simple one was uh, the Hollywood actor and director Mark Duplass one day tweeted about Ben Shapiro. And in effect, he said, you know, here's this guy, I disagree with him, but I don't think he's pure evil. It was something to that effect. And the mob went after him. And then he literally deleted the tweet and issued an apology. And it was like, you know what, just like that, man, you lost all your cred because you tried to an extent, extend an olive branch in a time when people don't do it. And instead, you decided to bow to the mob. And I think not apologizing when you have not done anything wrong, standing up for what you believe in. And, and perhaps more important than all of them, know some stuff. You know, I think the other part is that our education system has failed in certain ways. And that's why I have this uh, chapter on check your facts, not your feelings, uh, not your privilege, because so many people walk around thinking, oh, I'm privileged just because they have a decent life that they should be afraid to say things to other people. But that is that is deeply dangerous. I would say it's anti-American, and, and at some level, it's actually anti-human. Are you concerned about the direction of this culture, and or do you think it's about right? I mean, you know, everything is so upside down right now because of coronavirus. I would say the, the thing that gives me the silver lining at the moment is, you know, you've written a, a zillion uh, best-selling books. You know how the process is. So I finished writing this book in July, and I put it mm -hmm. down, and then, you know, I edited it in the fall. But I, I've been chomping at the bit to get this thing out. And one of the things that I'm really happy about is that the things that I talk about in this book seem more relevant today than even when I was writing them because, you know, for the first time in a long time, Average Americans are talking about states' rights. You know, you and I can talk about it, and, and policy logs can talk about it, but suddenly we're talking about opening up the country through states' rights. And I'm here in California where, you know, I've got a governor who's probably going to keep us in lockdown for God knows how long. But, you know, if you live in Montana or, or Texas, which is about to reopen, you, are, you know, this is a beautiful thing about our federal system. Uh, so I'm excited that people are talking about that. I'm excited that people are talking about the Second Amendment again because they're realizing you should be able to defend yourselves. You know, right now, in effect, our, our Fourth Amendment, the right to assembly, has been suspended, and people are going, wait a minute, I should be able to, you know, safely be with other people. So I think a lot of the things that are, are fundamental, when you say you're a constitutional conservative, I, I hear that. I mean, these are the greatest man-made documents ever. These are documents that have freed us and suddenly, just because Gavin Newsom thinks something or the WHO says something, we're all pretending that we should have no agency over ourselves. And I, and I view that as dangerous. So I, I'm hopeful because I think people are waking up. But are we, are we in a very dangerous time because the authoritarians are on the march? Well, absolutely. You, uh, you deserve to be heard by more and more people. So I'd like to have you back. I mean, well, thanks, Mark, I, I find you compelling. You it'd, be my, it'd be my pleasure. And... Uh, it is a fantastic book, ladies and gentlemen. Don't burn this book, Thinking for Yourself in an Age of Unreason. It's a fantastic book on many levels, but, but your sort of intellectual movement is something I want people to read about as well. So um, go, you can get it at Amazon.com. You go to Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. We've just put it up there. You go directly to Amazon.com. 
If you're hunkered down, it's the perfect book. Dave Rubin, I want to thank you, sir. Thank you, Mark, and I look forward to connecting with you in the future. You got it. God bless. He's pretty damn sharp, isn't he, Mr. Producer? He's pretty damn sharp. There's a circle, these young guys. Ruben, you got Shapiro, Bongino, some of the others who really are the, the up-and-comers, and I'm proud of that. I'm thrilled by that. But uh, this audience, we've, we've got to learn more about Dave Rubin and hear more from him because he's really quite compelling, I think. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Don't forget, I'll be on Hannity in about a half hour, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, and all hours in between and around. David Rubin, who you just heard, who is uh, very compelling. Don't burn this book. What a great title. Thinking for yourself in an age of unreason. I like these unwords, like unfreedom of the press. So I recommend this book highly to you. You can jump right now on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter, We've got it there, linked to Amazon, or go directly to Amazon. Now's the time to jump in. It's very, very well uh, discounted, and that's what happens when new books come out. They discount them. It's an excellent, excellent read. I know you'll enjoy it. And I know you'll enjoy Hannity tonight, because I'll be there with my buddy Sean. We don't have a lot of time, so I want to move quickly. Alan, Quantico, Virginia, the great WMAL. Half a minute, go! Or we can do a silent prayer, if you like. All right, Alan, I'm sorry. It's not Alan's fault, ladies and gentlemen. Everything's blamed on the coronavirus, and then you blame everything on Trump. Well, it's Trump, you see, because we have a delay now, because we have to use a different studio, a different technology, because it's New York, and people can't move. It's the virus. But ultimately, it's Trump's fault. Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, all the people who feed us, who transport the things that we need, the doctors, the nurses, all of you. God bless you and thank you so very much. I'll see you tomorrow on the radio and I'll see you on Fox in 30 minutes. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.